0: Go listen to the Lucha Yovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Nos vemos por ahí.
1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
0: hey kids do you like professional wrestling well wow, we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes for the first week of june good lord where did the time go i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrino chris who you got in the nba finals
1: uh who's playing in the nba
0: oh, Really? <laughs> you, you used to be the roto guy uh
1: yeah, I know, and I actually have a losing head coaching record in basketball, and uh, <laughs> my how the mighty have fallen. Andy, it is, so it, is the,
0: it is the Denver Nuggets versus the Miami Heat.
1: Uh, I am going for the Denver Nuggets because the Miami Heat should never win anything ever again after wow. trying to put together the super team.
0: Wow. Oh, so you still hold a grudge over super teams.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, although the super although, team is bad, all of us
0: and the NBA has, has gotten their karmic justice. Cause every super team since has stunk. Like all those attempts to, you know, do things in New York with James Harden, and Kevin Durant being on the same team. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's almost just desserts. Uh, I'm going for Denver. I like Nikolai Nikolai. Joker. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jokic is, uh, is, is like a really great talent and, uh, I would like he's to
0: ugly, though. I mean, his game is so ugly that it's like you almost got to respect it. It's like he just looks like he's lumbering out there. and They'll just put up something that looks like a pass, but it's a three point shot and it goes in. You're just like, thank God.
1: Or he'll do stuff that looks like it's going to be a shot and it's a pass. He's a great, yeah. great facilitator. I mean, he's a really interesting center uh who can actually be a threat to get seven eight assists in a game on a regular basis he's he's a legitimate I mean, he's a legitimate triple double threat as a center
0: oh yeah you turn around he all of a sudden has 30 and 13 and you're like well when did that happen? i'm not the biggest nba fan in the world but i'd watching the playoffs and you're just like okay <laughs> let's see where this goes but uh yeah i i had nothing else other than other than a post-mortem on the uh on the tina turner talk i've i've Uh, I have a car with Sirius XM radio in it now. And uh, one of the channels is now dedicated to Tina Turner. And um, while I like her catalog and I especially like the Ike and Tina stuff, I I think, and I don't say this as an insult, I think her corollary on the men's side is Joe Cocker. Because there's a lot of remakes in Tina Turner's catalog. Some you don't even realize (laughs) are. And it's like, she still has an amazing voice, I don't think she was much of a songwriter. Um, I, I'd have to do more research on that, but uh, there's nothing I wrong mean, with it.
1: it. No, she was a hit maker, but not yeah. a songwriter. Right. And like, I, I, I'm like, I think it's valid for people to get hits off of songs they didn't write. But I also assess someone's talent levels slightly different when... A large majority of your songs are covers or like purchased songs versus you actually doing the songwriting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree, and and you know people who use songwriters. I mean, I get you use teams, and that was what Tina did a lot of too in her solo career. There's but
1: along no. with that, There's as far as being a music act, but like when we're saying who's doing the work here,
0: yeah, it, it's kind of like writers
1: doing some of the work, right? Yeah, you comp- comparing- the song; she'd be doing more work
0: performer to artist type of thing and then you sure. get, then it starts sounding pretentious and you end up looking like a jerk so let's not go into that uh, <laughs> so heard any news lately cm punk officially back starting on june 17th on collision yes the rumors are true as announced by tony khan with a bit of a pregnant pause in there it's like it was something uh, like my A-
1: guy my guy gets better and stronger on the mic every single week <laughs> i'm not and i won't hear otherwise no
0: i need to hear this from from the tony khan whisperer that you are uh how did you feel about this pre- how did you feel about this announcement because it was one of those weird things where it's like aew collision with CM Punk (laughs) that wasn't the only weird awkward
1: pause he had along the way there like he still very much reading these and it feels as though he's reading these cold and only using like the second or third take if he manages to get through all of it with the words being mostly intact he's fine with that as the final take.
0: He's Ed Wood directing himself. <laughs> no, it really. Yeah, it really does kind of feel
1: <laughs> Ed Wood-like in terms of what con standards are.
0: More more awkward that reading or him in the hat during <laughs> Double or Nothing. <laughs> in the pre-show. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um
1: yeah, uh he's an interesting man, isn't he? Very. Uh, I think that the reaction from the audience was really interesting
0: oh it was fascinating and i loved that san diego crowd for when when the, they I were did. no
1: they were good they were they were they're were very very clearly into everything that they were getting on the show and everything and that, i thought they added a lot i think their reaction was authentic but i mean so there are a lot of young bucks fans in that san diego audience i think it's safe to say based on the reaction why wouldn't they be happy that CM Punk has basically been exiled to Saturday Island? You will never see him on your dynamite. Isn't that wonderful? Are you not happy? Is this not good for business?
0: I, I, look, there is a definitive vocal part of the AEW audience that doesn't want him anything to do with the company because they feel that he, he, the, the locker room cancer Comparison is there and that it will seep into other talent possibly, or just the fact that they, they take the story at face value that CM Punk was a jerk. He buried the young bucks in a press conference that few fans watched, but got a lot of exposure on, on Twitter and and then and then uh, and then he marched and then...
1: down to yeah the march down to his locker room with uh, the lawyer was completely innocent and was not a form of escalation and then a fight broke out yes. that was entirely catalyzed by
0: Punk but they basically blame Punk for everything
1: oh yeah I I mean you know, or ninety five percent or whatever yes it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: I mean I get it um I, I did find that fascinating because I do think and I've said this before on this show. I think CM Punk outside of that Chicago, that first Chicago show has an uphill climb and it would not shock me at all. If he is the top heel on AEW collision, as opposed to a baby face, because I think it would be easier for him to drop hints. Like I I could see him getting permission to say something about the elite on television, knowing that there's never going to be that feud necessarily, at least with the Bucks, he might get a program with Kenny but he's going to get booze in a lot of arenas because of this entire debacle. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, no, it it is very clear to me that the fan consensus among the AEW loyal is that punk was the problem there that the, the, the events leading up to, and uh, during muffin mania were entirely punk's making, um, I mean, it doesn't even seem like they're they're particularly mad at anyone else other than Punk. It's not they're not mad at the con, they're not mad at Page. they're not, it, no, it's it's I mean, the way many of those fans reacted, it seems as though they they viewed that as one hundred percent you're a locker room cancer. We want you gone.
0: Yeah. Everybody was I, happy here until you showed up. Right.
1: You know, it was it was all going so well now. Yes. There are a number of different acts i think we could point to prior to punk's arrival where you might suggest things were not going so hot up to and including orange cassidy uh like you know orange cassidy was not being handled super well ftr was not being handled super well there there are a number of different acts those are just two off the top of my head prior to punk's arrival where you, you could suggest that maybe other people were getting the focus um it look uh this is going to be interesting to me i i Continued to go what is the point of collision i mean we lovingly on this show refer to it as detention and i feel like that's a really apt name for it especially based on this audience reaction like they don't like punk they don't even really want him on collision uh that's not a heck of a draw to get him on get him to watch collision
0: i think it's an interesting experiment by the owners of turner we have this two-hour block. Can you do something with it? Because we don't want to just run Star Wars and DC movies or, you know, whatever things. And if you can do something with it, it'll help. And and if AEW can do something with it, it, it helps greatly if they haven't re-signed already a broadcasting deal with the company. But basically, they get this Maybe for a little bit of an added uh, added incentive from from Warner Brothers Discovery, you know, maybe like a hundred million or so to you know go play around for for a year or so on up for two hours, maybe, and then if it increases ad revenue, they can do something with it, because look that that six to eight window Eastern, which is when I think it's going to be on there, is very. It's it's interesting because the primetime college football game hasn't started yet. The early games have ended. You have games on the West Coast that are finishing up, but most of the population that likes college football is east of the Mississippi. So there's going to be some downtime there in between things. Uh, But college football is still an all-day affair on ESPN and Fox and other things just because of the rash of broadcasting you know, baseball is, is still pretty popular in the States. Um, and, and even towards like the end of December and stuff, you're going to start getting NFL games, but there's room there if they want it. And it's, you know, it's the tradition thing, the six Oh five Eastern, you know, that, that TBS was, you know, known for, for, for dozens of years, you know, you, you go six o'clock, you turn on TBS, there's going to be wrestling on there. Now all of those people are now over the age of fifty or sixty, um, so 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 the new younger generation doesn't exactly have that. Um,
1: I'm you know, just baffled again by the premise of like a top heel on a B show who never comes over to the A show.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if he's gonna be the heel though on his show necessarily. That's the other thing is I just pitched that, not really thinking it through.
1: <laughs> I mean, even you know the top baby face on on his show uh, is is weird. Uh, are they gonna make like a CM Punk title just for him?
0: That's also yeah. I don't know how they're gonna split these titles, right. and 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 what's gonna be built. I'm I'm hoping we don't we're not doing, you know, because we're already. I don't know if you know this. Cody Rhodes is going to be on Smackdown on Friday. We're we're already <laughs> Even though the brand split like is quote unquote official for 2 weeks, we're already having like hall passes for everybody to go wherever we want them to go. It, it's ridiculous.
1: Bring back the 24/7 title, baby. <laughs> oh
0: god. Oh no, please don't. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's gonna be fascinating. Um, and with those, just it, there are some. The, the detention is is apt. Just looking at at the people who are on that roster and who are officially announced. I wonder. I wonder who's the first to get pissed off at, at, at that situation. You know, I, I actually my idea would be you make Los Single the top heel faction on that team, or on that show especially since Andrade is there and you can get all those guys together. And it needs, it, it, that show really needs a heel faction that does something noteworthy on the first show to get people talking. Something has to happen on that first show. Otherwise this show is just going to be, uh, it's just more wrestling. Eh, it's just two hours of, of space. It, it's, it's the golden corral buffet.
1: No, it yeah, it needs to be a faction launch and like a heel faction launch and the establishment of a clear baby top baby face.
0: Yeah, uh, to fight them and and then and then and then you got them hooked. I I think, but you know, 500 tickets sold overnight to increase uh, the Chicago stadium. Canada numbers for this first tour are slow, so we'll see how that occurs but uh yeah no just uh it's more product and uh and you're gonna sit there and like it but hopefully they hopefully they do some sort of tonal change to really uh, look if if they can make this thing hot and make it different than dynamite then dynamite might you know dynamite's a little lazy at times oh can we say that
1: yeah i think that's that's very fair i think that's, that's, people are that's happy to be insane. on tv yeah. That's been a sustaining critique from us of the show. It's not that like any of the matches are necessarily... It's not the match quality.
0: No, it's, it's like... that they're lazy. When I say lazy, I mean they have goodwill from the audience. Whatever they put on there, people are going to like it. And then, oh, they're, they're going to stick the landing at the pay-per-view. And fine, but the week-to-week booking is somewhat lacking on the show. They just kind of make matches to make matches.
1: And the flow of the shows overall is often slapdash. Yes. Yeah. They're just, there never feels to be like a, a running through line. Um, it's just things happen.
0: Love is in the air, Chris babies oh, are being made. Oh, where? Uh, well, Carmela who, who previously announced that she was pregnant announced that she's having a baby boy with Corey Graves and one Alexa bliss is announced her pregnancy with Ryan Cabrera via Instagram and PR flax and <laughs> e entertainment and, and things like that. So she will be on the shelf for a while too. There were rumors that she was waiting on creative to come up with something for her. And uh creatively came up with something else for her. But yes, Alexa Bliss uh um gone for a while. So I, I find that a little sad and I, I do like Alexa Bliss. It's just one of those things where that fiend story really Really overexposed some of the campy parts of WWE that people don't like at times, but, you know, happy for them.
1: Yeah, no, the, the Fiend stuff was pretty wretched. Yes. Pretty wretched.
0: Rumored to be the Cody feud for SummerSlam, by the way.
1: Oh, good, good.
0: Oh, you're saw... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no. Here's the thing. I...
1: What I need you to understand. Okay, if you could, if you could, put a cap on the giggles for a second here. Okay. But what I need you to understand is that WWE is telling us a ten chapter story, and that we're only on chapter three here. And chapter three is the Fiend and Cody Rhodes. But so, this... so
0: both the Bloodline and the Fiend story are. Are multiple volume stories is what you're telling me?
1: Yeah, this is an an anthological uh, is I believe the word type of story.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, On the injury front, uh, Braun Strowman may require surgery. Undisclosed injury taking taken off of creative plans per PW Insider.
1: You think he strained his dick?
0: That come from
1: i just let it fly sometimes
0: uh returns and title wins as we saw over this past week shana baszler and ronda rousey are your new wwe women's tag team champions Asuka, your current uh god which one did she win the raw or the smackdown one i can't remember right now uh chris statlander your tbs champion Looks like uh, all the all the title changes on these major shows were in the women's division. Tiffany Stratton, your new NXT Women's Champion. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Huh. Nothing but women. Ah, uh, boy, can watching that women's tag match. By the way, um, I, I have come to the conclusion that uh, Sonya Deville is everything that they want Ronda Rousey to be. I, I just ronda rousey was not good in that match at all that was all Shayna baszler during the match it just so happened that ronda got the final you know submission on shotzi uh both eo and and bailey doing some heavy lifting in in, in certain parts of that match as well but um i was shocked by the oscar title win gotta be honest with that did not see that coming yeah. at all
1: yeah that that was a bit of a shock
0: um and it was good to see chris statlander win but um Talk amongst the slacks and the discords that I am a part of. Let me let me put this up to you as we head into the lazy river of wrestling con or mm. wrestling criticism. Mm. Was the Chris Statlander title win handled poorly because it's a baby face coming out to a heel who is admittedly given an open challenge through her manager. And and comes in and and wins the title off of off of a a weakened opponent. Was that poorly handled, or was that okay? Were you okay with it?
1: Well, I'm okay with it, but only because, as we discussed in the preview episode, I have long since given up on the idea that they have any sort of coherent story that they were trying to tell with Jade Cargill. They
0: again here, she was a baby face on her entrance.
1: Yeah, they 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 never knew what they were doing with her throughout this title reign. It was just, well, she keep winning matches. But that's, like, not a story in and of itself. And you might go, well, that's all that Bill Goldberg did. No, like, the whole thing with Bill Goldberg is he was singularly focused on just winning. He yes. didn't want to talk. He didn't want to, like, hang out with anybody. He had no friends. The story... Such as it was, and I know w c w duffed it, but like for the first seventy five wins all the way up to Raven is Bill Goldberg is a singularly focused individual who wins and wins and wins because it's the only thing he cares about, kind of like a Jordan figure,
0: yeah, he wasn't uh he wasn't courting hip hop figures he wasn't uh you know. The, the feminist story of the mother and who's doing this for her, her daughter. There, there are none of those side stories. Yeah, he didn't assemble, a, like a little,
1: yeah, like a little Bill Goldberg posse that all hung out around him who he'd occasionally belittle. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, he
0: did. Yeah, he didn't go through bad manager after bad manager after bad manager. He was just a badass, came in, destroyed people, and left.
1: That would have been better than what we ended up doing with Jade Cargill, which was a bunch of flailing characterization throughout yes. this entire title reign, flailing, I, is the best way to typify it.
0: And I think you got to bring her back as a baby face. I, I think, I think her as a monster baby face would be a good thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I mean, she's clearly got some connection with the fans. I think she needs a lot of work still. Um, but, you know, I, I think that she can do that work and makes more sense for her to be doing that work without the title. We tried this. But it didn't really ever click. Can we all say that now? Like, yeah. she never really had, like, a great match with anyone. Uh, you know, she had some real eggs like Marina Shafir, but, like, you're really hard-pressed to, like, come up with a good one.
0: <laughs> she didn't have a straw hat like Marina Shafir did.
1: No, well, <laughs> most of us don't have a straw hat. Like, that's, that's you not. know who I am. Yeah, yeah. that
0: promo will live rent free in my head for the rest of my life. Uh, the good news about uh this weekend was if you watched any of the three shows that were on, you got some good wrestling. So it's going to be a nice, tasty post mortem while we intersperse stuff that happened on Dynamite. Um, uh, plenty to select from this week, Chris. I will uh, allow you to start.
1: Um. Okay, where do I want to begin? Uh, let us talk about. Let's do AEW. We'll do AEW. Okay. Um, I thought I thought the Anarchy in the Arena stuff was great.
0: I love that match. I, I don't that know, was, was great. A lot of fun.
1: I I, I enjoyed. <laughs> I enjoyed the band just playing over and over and over again. Like, that was such a funny gimmick. And the crowd started getting into it as the band would like kind of come back around or circle back around. They'd do a solo. Um, all of that was good. And even the Young Bucks spot where they super kick the lead singer so that there's finally an out for the band to stop playing was really good. Um, I I I thought that the I thought the match was generally pretty, pretty well handled. And then the next night on Dynamite here, like Don Callis has just insane nuclear heat. Uh, it, it, it was actually it was kind of impressive to see someone just get that level of booze.
0: Oh, people standing and booing and screaming! I, I adored that San Diego crowd for that.
1: Oh, that was awesome!
0: I was like, this is what I want in all of my wrestling. This is what I want every time a heel gets up to speak. As opposed to the what treatment, you know, like Trish Stratus on her promo this week. Um, no, I, I love this. I, the thing that impressed me most about that, uh, and i'll I'll get back to other matches on on that double or nothing card in a moment. but uh, Takeshta's poise as a heel shocked the hell out of me. He was not rattled by that crowd at all and and went in on the promo. um. I saw a translated version of the promo that I retweeted on my Twitter feed. Um, cut a promo in Japanese, basically said he's going to destroy the elite and be better than Kenny Omega ever was. Uh, uh, both guys. I mean, this this is this is what I've been waiting for in some sort of heel stable. Please, yes, I want I want hated heels and I want people to hate them and I want them to just say we're just going to destroy you and I'm good with that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I thought this was, this was good. I didn't think it like overshadowed anything in the main event. Um, even though it was somewhat predictable, I, I didn't think predictable is bad in this case, um, which uh, it's your turn. So I was going to, my next topic was going to be the uh, main event. or the uh, Of
0: Dynamite or of, of Double or Nothing?
1: Uh, the other main event of Double or Nothing, the title match.
0: Oh, we can go in there. That's fine. Okay. Uh, I thought it over delivered. I, I did. I thought it was really, really good.
1: Um, The Spanish fly was crazy.
0: Yes. Sammy was great in that match. I I know he had no chance of winning. Very surprised by the crowd turning on jungle boy for not turning. Very surprised by that. Yes.
1: No, the crowd was, uh, the crowd was ahead of jungle boy on this turn. And I think the reason they were mad at him for not turning was that like technically it wasn't against the rules for him to use the belt. Right. 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 And second, like it, it's yet again, jungle boy going like, I won't do what it takes to win. Yeah. Like that. That's actually kind of annoying. Like that's actually an annoying characteristic of somebody. You know what I mean? Like, especially if, you really like somebody like in this world, right? Like it, everyone thinks of like, thinks karma's real or whatever, but like the reality is, is like bad things happen to good people all the time. And oftentimes good people don't get like, you know, they're just desserts or whatever. And so like in little moments where there's a good person who might actually benefit from a bad bounce, so to speak, and they get the W, we don't boo that because no. it's too frequent. We're not against that.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's not against the rules. Why right. not do it?
1: Right, because MJF then turns around and wins the match using the belt. You stupid idiot, Jack yes, Perry.
0: Yes, this is stupid babyface syndrome. You
1: stupid idiot. It was, the belt <laughs> was legal. Was it honorable? I don't know. What, what is honorable in this context? It was kind of like when Don Callis yelled out hilariously on commentary during the uh, main event. He's using a chair. That can't possibly be legal. Um, great line Uh, it, you know yeah it it, it was it, it wasn't even a real heel moment like a heel moment would be the referee is has been ref bumped and you're using the title belt illegally yeah. and it would yeah. be a thing you would normally get disqualified for but you're cheating and you're breaking the rules he wasn't even breaking the rules here he just didn't want to use a weapon
0: uh, I'm going to give a general overview of this pay-per-view because it wasn't a great pay-per-view. It was not. It was very good at the end. The 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 Battle Royal happened and then there was kind of a a lull. For me it came back up during the tag title match, which I loved. I loved that ta- I loved everything about that thing. But this crowd took a while for them to get into it. And then and then it eventually crescendoed into the once the Pillars match started. A lot of blame I will put on that first hour on Jim Ross. Jim Ross was dreadful in the first hour of his commentary to the point where I'm watching with, I'm actually watching this in Phoenix with my father who doesn't like wrestling really, but will watch it occasionally. He went to shows when he was in the Navy. You know, he, he knows wrestling, but he doesn't, he doesn't watch it. And he had to leave the room because the commentators were bickering with each other so much. He's like, why do these people hate each other so much? I don't understand that. And he just left because he just could not take Jim Ross's crankiness anymore. Taz and him bickering all the time. Um, That being said, not enough love was given to that that FTR versus Lethal and Jarrett match, in my opinion, because it was just pure... Well, part of the problem is also this entire pay-per-view was completely overbooked. Every match had interference... Including the one-on-one match, which was the only one-on-one match on the card, which was the women's title match, it, it was it was just it was just way too many gimmicks and smoke and mirrors, and everybody was using chairs and ladders and tables. It, it felt like, I mean, it, it felt a little like, you, you know how people uh lion eyes ecw and they thought all it was was about hardcore wrestling and then they put on a bunch of shows like that and like xpw in the early aughts that's what it felt like to me at times you know um compared it a bit to Starcade 83 a little because Starcade 83 was a lot like that but dude i hate to say this and i'm but i'm going to the auditory moment of me cheering during this pay-per-view was when Aubrey got hit with a guitar <laughs> because I just adored Sanjay's like, no, 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 you're not going to help. You're not going to help. And then Karen Jarrett comes out with the guitar. I was like, finally, someone has stopped this menace. Uh,
1: yes. I, I'm,
0: um, I, I have,
1: uh, <laughs> I've gotten tired of Aubrey as well. <laughs> Uh, you know she's not bad, but I reached a, I reached a saturation point. Yes, with, with that's the that's me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but now she's gonna get a spot where she gets revenge, and I'm kind of looking forward to it in some ways. Um, I loved Mark Briscoe taking the bump from the guitar too, and just then <laughs> Jarrett just absolutely losing it on him. Look, it, this was a match for me. And I'm gonna I'm just gonna hold it in my heart and say I, I loved it. You guys can have anarchy in the arena. I'm gonna have that tag match as something to keep me warm at night when I think of this double or nothing pay-per-view. Well, I think we can back.
1: all have anarchy in the arena. Yes, anarchy you know. in the arena was good. Uh that that was that was good and entertaining. And see, look, I can say nice things about people. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Your um, turn, sir. Yeah. So uh what I cannot say good things about Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. This is the feud that will not get interesting. It refuses to die. It refuses to interest me. It is a fetid corpse that I poke with a stick, but it's not intriguing. It's just there. That's what J- I have to J-C say. JC about
0: bumped like hell in this match though. <laughs> it wasn't good, but boy I would not be shocked if JC Jane shows up on Smackdown tomorrow as as part of Bailey's entourage yeah Um,
1: as maybe Bailey's entourage I mean now that Trish has Zoe Stark I guess uh, JC Jane would make some sense
0: yeah I I just it's one of those things where it's like what are you going to do with JC after this unless you're bringing her up because okay you can build Gigi I guess after this although I still think JC's the more talented of the two um, even if <laughs> it, it's so weird, because uh, you listen to male fans and they'll always go, the more attractive one to them is always the bigger star. And I'm just, right. Right. Like, <laughs> so they, they,
1: they, they like Gigi because they like Gigi, yes. um, but JC's the actual one who rises above really lousy material. And like, I can't stress this enough. If you don't see it with her right now, I can't even really blame you because it's been months of bad road. But we, you and I, having watched as much as we have, have actually seen her be really good, like like really sharp. And she was like the the key part of that tag team. Like J C Jane's where the action's at in that duo. Um, I don't know that they're going to get her, and I, I worry that she's just going to be stuck with like sidekick status all yeah. the whole way. Yeah.
0: Speaking of not rising above bad material. It must be said, because the match between Tiffany Stratton and Lyra Valkyria overdelivered. I thought. Lyra Valkyria, while her character is, is dreadful at times, the bird feathers, all that other stuff, the match itself, I thought, was pretty good. The Tiffany celebration was one of the worst things I've seen on NXT in a long, long time. It's it's writers who don't get that character, and it's it's someone who obviously was not comfortable with all the lines she had to memorize, and you can see her memorizing them as she's trying to recite them. She's trying to recite them all correctly instead of just giving her a couple points and letting her flow, because she gets the character. If, if you watch her in small vignettes and, and other things... Tiffany Stratton gets that character, gets her character better than most people on that roster. But that thing and having her to go out there and talk, and talk, and talk, yes, killed her aura in many ways. I think, I I just, it it was just such a bad, and you know, it's a main roster trope of the celebration after you win the title. I get it, this thing, I I just, I, I did not enjoy it at all.
1: No, this, I mean, this should be the establishing of what the dynamic of you as champion is going to be like if, if there's any point in doing this type of segment at all. And absent that, if you don't have a clear sort of sense of what that is, you don't have to do the championship celebration the next week. She can just be champion now. Your turn, sir. Um, boy was Blair Davenport a disappointing <laughs> reveal for all the backstage attacks over the last several months? Uh, this is obviously something that they just, they wanted to get Blair back on TV. They've been writing all these injury angles. Um, they had Danny Palmer of all people turn into a, a mystery, like murder mystery thing. And then yeah, Blair Davenport.
0: I'm not overall a Blair Davenport fan. I
1: know I, 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 she, she's, not very good. We, Pri- is-
0: when she was B Priestley, she was injuring people. Um,
1: and we have a—we just have a—we generally have a bias against people who we don't consider to be very safe, even if they have other things that tend yeah. to work in their favor or whatever. And I don't even necessarily think Blair's got those.
0: Part of me hoped that they were going to pull a, a swerve here because I—I knew it was going to be Blair for a while, but I was hoping they'd make it Mako Satomura, just just to throw people off and and to, and to really kind of give her something to do um I, re- I really like her a lot um but i am going to i'm going to pivot back to the main roster because uh we we haven't talked about that a lot yet night of champions was actually pretty entertaining i know people have problems with the saudi arabia relationship i get that i am saying that with that um caveat but gunther and and ali over delivered even though you knew ali had no shot of winning that title. I, as I was telling Chris before the show, I really thought Sammy coming out in the traditional garb for those people after, after not being allowed to be in that country by their request um, until Syrian relations were better between the two countries and watching the crowd's response to that when he spoke in uh, Arabic, um, for for a promo and things like that. that to me, it was moving, I thought. I, I I watched that, and I watched him doing when he came out and watching that crowd and how much it meant to him. I thought that was a very lovely moment. and And, you know, just getting to the wrestling part itself, the Usos turned, or at least the, at least Jimmy turned on Roman. I thought that was very well done. I, I'm just kind of, it, it's one of those things where I'm watching that and Jimmy's like, looking at Jay going, yeah, we got to go. We got to go. We got to do this. Jay's been wanting to do the right thing the entire time. Right. Every angle. Right. and Jimmy, Jimmy just keeps steering him wrong. Every except, for for the first, time.
1: except for the first time initially when it was like Jimmy, who was trying to convince Jay to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the the psychology of the Usos is gonna be really hard to retroactively create continuity on. Uh which is which is the problem with this thing. Like like it, it should have been Jay, right? Like like the, the through line. Yeah, Jay
0: is- should have been the one who got sick of it and done it. Yeah. But but they but they made him of it. They made him a wuss. <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy literally says, I'm doing what you should have done all along. And Jay's like, wait a second, I was the one conflicted here.
1: Right, right. He was the one who was actually friends with Sammy.
0: Wait, what? I should have done this entire time. Hold on. You're the one telling me I had to turn on people and stuff. Right.
1: Yeah. You. You were the when when I turned on Sammy. You didn't try to stop me at all. No. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, like, you actually were there cheering me on, saying he isn't blood. He isn't one of us.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm it it has (laughs) piqued my interest as how they're going to get out of this narrative corner. I think Jay eventually has to turn on Jimmy. I do.
1: Everyone everyone should betray everyone. That's how the bloodline storyline should be. I
0: agree. I I mean... (laughs)
1: The next six months is a series of betrayals. Jimmy Jimmy literally
0: did the thing where it's like you're, you're standing in front of a house and you have two bricks and he throws one in through the window and he hands you the other one and he runs. And Chase just sit there going, wait, what the hell did I do? (laughs) I howled at that. I just went, wait a (laughs) a second. Part of this doesn't make sense.
1: No, (laughs) like most of this doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) like Jimmy has always been the, we just got to do what Roman says. Yeah. Don't like even going back to that first cage match, right? He was the one saying to Jay, Jay, don't fight. Don't fight. Let's just do this. Let's just do what Roman says. And Jay like wanted to fight.
0: And now all of a sudden he's found his spine again. And he's looking at Jay going, why are you such a wimp? I held at that. I went, wait a second here. Well, I enjoyed it. And I enjoy, look, I enjoy Solo just Solo has no loyalty to anybody. And it's going to be fantastic when he finally turns on Roman. Um, <laughs> but it's like, uh, yeah, there, there are certain family dynamics I don't necessarily get, but I'm kind of looking forward to see how they try and write their way out of
1: it. Yeah, no, I, I know. I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm interested in seeing how they write their way out because I've just lost confidence that they know how to do that. Um, Your turn, sir. Back to my earlier joke. Um, all right. Let's go to the follow-up Dynamite to um, the pay-per-view that happened on the weekend here. I yes. lost the track of the sentence there. In the main event, babyface Adam Cole <laughs> versus Chris Jericho with Britt Baker and Soraya. So, Soraya's still not great. Um, Adam Cole as a babyface though is like the biggest wet fart here.
0: He okay, did- expound. Everything that Adam,
1: everything that Adam Cole does as a heel is it's like sing along sorts of stuff, but when he's a babyface. That doesn't seem to really fully translate over. Like the cool factor gets diminished by, let's say, like 20, 25%. And granted, he's in a Chris Jericho feud. And those, like, yes, he prevailed over it, but those typically don't end up being great vehicles to showcase what the person that is in the feud with Chris Jericho has. I'm being very specific in my language here because I want people to understand the nature of my critique when it comes to the Chris Jericho feud over the last couple of years here. Um, I do think that Adam Cole in it it appears he is being positioned for a main event program against MJF. Um, I don't know if it's like immediate immediate, but it's, I mean with MJF's horizon being somewhat open right now, uh, I, I could see Adam Cole being there. That could be better for Cole versus MJF. Uh, you know, I, I think about the time that Cole cut down Karrion Cross, and while that was professional malpractice, that was also compelling and Cole was good there, albeit bad, but also like he was good at being bad. Um I, I could see that potentially helping him. But at the end of the day, I, I he just doesn't really capture the imagination as a as a single guy, because his entire career when he has been like a top champion type, it has basically been under the auspices of leading a faction. And it very much feels like that faction is his important, like it's, it's important security blanket in order to make the whole act really click. He's not good enough to do it on his own.
0: Yeah. And his entire heel persona for the most part is I'm, I'm the alpha in this group type of thing. And it really shows on his promos that he, you know, it's like, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. And th- there's not a lot of variety in his promos for the most part, for me, at least
1: Yeah, no, and when watching. he doesn't have when he doesn't have a group to lead, I think you really see that, right? Yeah. Like so much of what makes him feel main eventy or top level is that he's the top level guy in his faction, ipso facto he would be the guy normally who would be challenging for belts because that's how factions work. It's sort of like a self fulfilling logic, and I don't entirely fault it. It's just that you can see where, when he doesn't have that faction to hide behind, he can't get the uh, the engine to turn over all the way around.
0: I'm gonna talk about the other half of that team because I find it interesting. I'm starting to recant on something. Um, Britt Baker. I I find her not to be a very compelling baby face. That said, I need to back off on a take I had. And it's this. You need to push her now. She's been cold. She's been playing background for the last year, year and a half. But she's still the biggest star in this women's division. In fact, she might be the only star in this women's division. And it's now time to heat her back up. And to put one of these titles on it. Now that's a problem because Tony storm just got this and we just took the title off of Jade, but nobody else has really stepped up to the plate. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a fault of the talent. That's a, that's a fault of booking. That's a fault of only having one women's match on a week. And your most compelling woman on the roster right now who's drastically improved is your ROH women's champion. And that's Athena. Because Athena's run as champion has been awesome. Uh, but you need to... And, and the other note I had about this entire main event thing was it feels like they had all the chapters, but they're out of order. This should have been the pay-per-view match. This mixed tag. Right, That, that right, then like leads... This- leads to the unsanctioned match between Cole and Jericho. And the way you get there is because of a story point. And here's what drives me nuts about AEW. Is when you see something on TV, it's supposed to mean something and it's supposed to lead to something. That's just basic storytelling 101. Details are not dropped in other TV. And during that pay-per-view, we had a vignette with a production assistant or what have you and we went back to the Chris Jericho I'm a wizard character with a fireball. What was the point of that if we have not seen the fireball involved in this Cole and, and Britt Baker match? So what sh- this, the ending should have been, to me at least, you do the mixed tag, and Chris Jericho throws a fireball in Britt's face. And then Cole is so angry he wants an unsanctioned match because he wants to rip Jericho's head off. That to me is the story, but I don't think we're gonna get it. It seems kind of weird, and it seems like this was the end of the feud in some yeah, ways. Unless it,
1: it's like we ended it on TV the next night after the pay per view. It's, yeah. it's so it's it's that it's that Nitro it's thing scary. that they used
0: to do, where it would be like, oh, we did this big match at the pay per view just to end the feud on Monday night because that's where that's we wanted the, the ratings.
1: That's how the Bret Hart hakushi feud ended too. Like oh, they had that really good paper. Yeah, and then they had a follow up match on TV, which was also good, uh, but was actually the end of their feud. Um, so yeah, I, I mean that that's kind of what I felt was happening there. Uh, I I'm with you, especially now that you've had Soraya introduce the storyline. Hater had to drop the belt to Tony Storm. The narrative through line here is Britt Baker. She's there to avenge her friend. And then once, once haters back in the picture, you can have like the Brit and hater tension sort of heat up again and maybe have Brit turn on hater or something like that. Yeah. Right? I'm like, thinking hater Yeah. Hater is there in support and Brit finally turns on hater.
0: I think the end game, I mean, I don't know what we- the Wembley match is going to be. Um, I think it should probably be Tony and hater. In England. But I could also see Brit and Hater in Britain. I, I think both of those would be fine. Um but I think we're building towards that. Uh your turn, sir.
1: Um, okay. Uh let us talk about this Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy versus the Gates of Agony match yes. was was entertaining, but also strange um, in the sense that like, there was so much of this match where like orange Cassidy was out of the match that at first, cause I was like, kind of like skipping along. I was like, wait, why is Darby Allen in a handicap match? And I had to rewind to discover that orange Cassidy is also included in this match.
0: I really liked the gates of agony in this match. I, I, and they were a revelation to me in many ways in terms of their speed and also it turns out Toa Leona and a guy who just recently quit uh, my, my company played football together at San Diego state. So I was talking so to him a little bit and I was like, yeah, what's he like? Oh yeah. Da, 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 da. He was like a year ahead of him. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Um, Yeah. So I had a nice but little But also,
1: this was, this was too competitive for, for like these guys, the gates of agony versus Darby Allen and orange Cassidy. I'm sorry, but like, no knock on the gates of agony like them. They are clearly talented. This is not a, this is not about them. But like Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy against guys whose names you barely know should be cutting through them like buzz saws right now.
0: Well, the, it was also the monster team versus the small quick team. And it was a chance for them to be scrappy underdogs. The problem is we're there. There is a bit of a problem in AEW right now in that we're kind of repeating gimmicks for people. Because also, if you notice, Hook and Orange Cassidy are very, very similar. In terms of the, they don't talk much and they always get interrupted by somebody else who's going to cut the promo on them and they're just going to sit there and kind of react, type of a thing. Um, if I were okay, a, so that, oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, go ahead. No, well, I was going to say, like, I actually like the realignment of Hook and Jungle Boy because if Jungle Boy decides to turn, Hook is yes. like the perfect person for him yes. to turn on. And
0: I, I think, I think that's going to happen. I think that's when they're going to do it, but um. Uh, I, I was going to say, for this Gates of Agony team, as much as I like Nana, I I would love Christian to be their manager. Just as someone a little bit more serious and a little bit more vicious and that can send them... I, you know, I, I want more of an edge on the Gates of Agony, and they're not going to get it with this...
1: Oh, um... I see what you did there. I see what you did there.
0: Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was totally unintentional.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was good now you don't think you don't think thumbless luchasaurus still has a lot of teeth to him you know there's a lot of tread of the uh on the tires with old thumbless luchasaurus
0: you know what i wanted out of that arn anderson uh wardlow promo was i just wanted arn anderson to be brick Hanlon, and i wanted wanted wardlow to kind of be will ferrell and anchorman where he's just doing all of the talking and then arn just comes in i bit a guy's thumb off I know that escalated quickly. Arn. That was such a ridiculous spot. I just, I watched that. I went, huh. All right. Arn. They're making Arn more and more crazy as we go on. Yes. With, with the finger
1: gun. I, I love that. Like Arn. We're... Arn and Wardlow's new gimmick is that they're both like lunatics. the. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Arns gimmick is like it's like one of those characters like like Robert Loja on the Sopranos or Burt Young on the Sopranos where it's like an old tough guy who's just starting to lose it and he's just doing dumb stuff that's dangerous and you're like and you're like oh man somebody needs to put this old guy down but at the same time, you can't not watch it because it's just hilarious to see Arn take his tough, no-nonsense reputation and do finger guns and biting guys' thumbs up. I howled at that, Chris. I just could not believe that. Um, A couple of quick uh, hits here uh, because I watched these and, and Chris did not. Uh, for a fact, I know he didn't watch one of these, so I just want to bring it up. It's Things from the Weekend You Should Watch. Uh, Ilya Dragunov and Donra Dijak uh, beat the crap out of each other for our amusement, and I loved every moment of it. Um, <laughs> dude, the feud build was terrible. It was it was crap, but the actual match itself was awesome, and, and I love it. Uh, if you like bloody, hardcore matches, seek out Impact's match between Steve Macklin and PCO which involved stapling a man's lips together and tearing the staple out. Yeah, it Damn. was bloody and it was awesome. And it was Steve Macklin is having the run of his career, obviously there, but I could not be happier for him. I liked him when he was the more talented half of the forgotten sons Um, in WWE. He was, he was just kind of there as a enhancement talent for a while in NXT until they found something with him. I, I really like him a lot. Um, anything else from you? God,
1: getting your lips stapled together. That sounds I really I think that brutal. was PCO.
0: I'm not sure if that was PCO or Macklin, now that I'm trying to think about it, but <laughs> I was only watching highlights of it. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Uh, but it was uh, bloody. It was very, very bloody stuff.
1: It occurred to me this week uh, that... Swerve's character is sort of like Edge, only like not nearly as coherent. But like they, they they're slowly turning Swerve into Edge, the ultimate opportunist type. Continue. That's a, that's all I've got. In, oh, okay. On, 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 <laughs> no, no, like like it's it's just like like uh, what did he do this week that was opportunistic? But like this, this is not the this is not the only time he's done this. It, it, like Swerve's basically. The ultimate opportunist. Oh, that he came. Down, of... He
0: came down during the Gates of Agony match with Nana and, and uh, right. Brian Cage. Right,
1: right, right, right. Yes. Um.
0: Did you like that he... battle royal, by the way?
1: No, you know I don't like battle royals.
0: Okay, because was like, "Oh, I... that's the greatest battle royal I've ever seen." Because, and I, I'm, I'm too old school to like this version of battle royals, where everybody gets to go in and do a lot of moves. I'm, I'm a boring punch, kick, try and throw a guy over the rope type.
1: Me too. I, I, am I'm, I'm sorry, but I actually, they're not supposed to be interesting matches. Um, they, for a young child, it's the spectacle of seeing a large number of people potentially yes. in a ring. Yeah. That holds intrigue, but like I'm in my thirties. I know how these things go now and they, like, they, they're not as interesting to me as a good tag match, um, or a good singles match. They never have been.
0: No, you I, you, I, I, you hit on something. Yeah. For me, the appeal of battle royals as a child was always, dude. There's going to be thirty people in that ring, and I want to see who the toughest guy is who can hold on and get out of it. Like the Bunkhouse Stampede was a different version of Carnage because it was just like guys and you know weight belts and jeans and knee pads over jeans, carrying you know weapons and stuff, and you have that kind of battle royale. I really liked that, but now you're watching it like. And and to me, the modern Battle Royal, and this is going to be cranky old man Jeff here, eh, I don't want to see guys flying off the top rope in a Battle Royal. Because it, it ruins the illusion of what the whole point of the damn thing is. Right. Now no, now they got to round I, I, it with the whole, well, if you haven't stepped in the ring yet, you can do all, <laughs> Commander can do his walking the tightrope, you know, triple lutz onto onto a guy i get that i get what they were trying to do here and it's nice and it was you know the, the crowd eats it up etc cetera, etc cetera. but for me it's like you know you put a hundred thousand dollars kayfabe out there and say okay last guy standing gets this check that's what a battle royal is to me
1: it's like a check in a title shot something like that yeah yeah
0: and, and you just Not have so. guys, you know, guys doing nothing, just going, ah, ah, you know, almost getting thrown out and getting saved occasionally. I'm, I'm As opposed to everybody gets to hit their spots running around in a ring full of people while other people watch. I'm just like, OK,
1: I would rather watch people's survival schemes fall to pieces. Yeah. It's way more compelling to me. And that even that would be overwrought right? But like, I think it's way more narratively satisfying for that type of match rather than people jumping off the top rope, as you've mentioned, which like, look, I'm not Bill Watts here, but I need to be able to lose myself in the psychology of the match. And if someone's doing something that's like sort of like suicide, where I, yeah. if I was in this battle royal, I, anytime I saw, I would just be hiding out in a corner. Anytime I saw someone going under the top ropes, I just pushed their ass off the top ropes. Mm-hmm. That would be my, that'd be my battle royal strategy. Um, and to me, the way a battle royal should be booked is basically 20 guys or 30 guys or however many guys, right? All the baby faces are in there trying to follow the rules as constructed. Just, you know, get them over the ropes that every single heel should have a different weird scheme that they're trying to work out. I mean, the monster heel should just be like, I'm just going to beat the crap out of everybody. But like any like mid card weasel heel, every single one of them should be trying to work a specific scheme. It shouldn't work out for them, but that should be the storyline here. Kind of like wacky races or something.
0: I'm going to, because that reminds me, I'm going to put over somebody who I thought had a really good uh, week in AEW. I thought Big Bill was fantastic in in the Battle Royal, and I thought he was great in that triple threat with uh, Swerve and uh, and Trent. I mean, dude is 6'10", and he's taking a superplex. Uh, He is just a great monster. And I, I, look, if if I had to book him, I'd put him as a heavy in a, in a a stable. Although some would say he already is, but turns out the firm doesn't exist anymore. So he doesn't, I might even consider putting him in that bullet club gold with Jay white and, and juice Robinson, but man, as their just dynamite. Yeah, I thought he was great on Dynamite on Wednesday.
1: Oh no, I I I think I think Lethal and uh Robinson have been very very boring since they've uh yeah. debuted this Bullet Club Gold thing.
0: Well, you mean uh you mean uh Jay White and Robinson.
1: Jay White, yes. No, no. Jay Lethal is good. Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal is good. good. How
0: dare you, sir? <laughs> no, oh, no, no, I, no. Jay I thought Lethal. they were more Jay I thought Lethal they were good. I thought they were better this week than they've been since they debuted. I know well, that. okay, I, but that's like
1: I, starting from like zero and moving up to two,
0: yeah. Okay, but But you know, screwing with Tony in the interview this made me laugh.
1: Jay White, he like the idea that Jay White is struggling in the under mid card is baffling to me.
0: Well, they're, they're, I don't know what to say, Chris.
1: I just want to say, right.
0: oh, they're waiting to heat him up, you know.
1: No, yeah, no, he's. I'm sure, I'm sure it's coming. It's coming. I mean, I liked, I liked I mean, the second
0: half of the Ricky Starks coming out there and just saying, "I'm going to beat your, you know, beat, kick your butt." Type. No, of stuff. that's fine and
1: all, but like, I mean, if I had brought in Jay White in the middle of the MJF title reign, I would have had MJF suddenly have a stalker and have it be revealed to be Jay White, this yeah. guy who's been stalking. Him for like two months like i'd have him stalking him all through this four pillars thing and the entire time mjf is convinced it's either darby or it's jack perry or it's sammy guevara and like he's convinced that one of those three guys is the catalyst of his problems but then it's actually revealed to be jay white um this guy's supposed to be a top level guy and i i just don't know how you get there from here with where where they've started him off
0: i'll add one more positive note here and this is the last note i have on my notes um both companies tried doing vignettes this week, and I'm here for that. Now, the vignettes, one was not good, and I thought one was very good, or at least helped the character. There was the Candice LeRae vignette on Raw, which was just, why am I a fairy? Why do I have wings? I just went, what are we doing here? What are we doing with Candice LeRae, who is the e- who is so easy to get over? This is handed to you on a silver platter how how good Candice LeRae is as All-American Girl, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I I did like the Chris Statlander one. I thought that was good. It was a little heavy on the melodrama um, at first, but I thought overall for for someone who's, you know, most verbiage is her doing boop noises with you know, by touching her on the nose to say how much AEW meant to her and how much Wayne the title meant to her. I think it did a lot for her. I, I think we need more good vignettes and we need less, or fewer dark order interrupting adam page during his promo to say guess you're not our friend anymore you know get give, give me more more building up as opposed to passive aggressive dumb stuff
1: oh the dark order stuff too right <laughs> like, and then adam page is like no way come back guys i still love you you still matter to me like uh, th-
0: this could have all been done by just having have page cut his promo And then you circle around with the camera and you see the Dark Order just kind of watching, you know, instead of just interrupting the promo, which nobody cares about the Dark Order if they're going to go heel, okay? Uh, They're, they're, they're. Well, no. And I mean,
1: if anything, Paige seems like the dick because he's more concerned about Alex Marvez's stupid follow up question than he is about his friends. So, like, I mean, if you, no, if you came up to me and you were hurting me and I had some like doofus journalist in my face asking me, like, So, Chris, when's the next show going to be? I'd be like, cool, bye. Go on Instagram (laughs) and I'd immediately walk and go and talk to you. Like, this would not be a close call for me. And the fact that for Paige, is like, well, I do have an obligation to
0: journalism. Well, Well, Kenny Omega, (laughs) here's
1: this interesting breadcrumb, let me tell you.
0: Well, no, but here's here's this important thing. Here's the important uh, angle is... (laughs) Is the elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club, your main event angle, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, oh, yes, Kenny's off to Japan to to find mercenaries to help us fight, you know, the Blackpool. Well, we don't know that. He
1: might be in Mexico. He's just not in Canada.
0: He's just not in Canada. And instead, instead of just concentrating on this very, very important angle, now we gotta drag it back down to, to the goofball brigade here. With silver and and Uno and Reynolds, hey, you used to be our friend. What happened? You you can tell all three of whom
1: could be interesting, but they've just never done anything interesting. That with them in the entire company,
0: no. And this needs this 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 angle or at least that stable needs a refresh. It needs a leader, and it needs a leader to make them hardcore and and to get them out of just doing goofy crap. But uh, yeah, I just it was like it's like. It would be like, it would be like, who, who's MJF? Well, see, that's that's a I'm I'm trying to think of main event, main event, main event, and then all of a sudden drop this Easter egg from like two years ago about this low card feud he was in. To, to revisit that and try and go back to the main event stuff, and you're just like, no, that's not it. He, th- this this elite Blackpool Combat Club needs to be segregated from the rest of the stuff going on in AEW because it's the most important feud they have right now. And I just, it was, it was just something where I just went, oh man, this, this tonally it's not hitting with me. And not that, not that Adam Page is a dynamo on the mic, and not that, not that Matt Jackson was kind of, kind of being snotty on, on on his part of the interview which was
1: Dude, the, the the whole i thought i never thought i'd have to throw an explosive shoe at someone's face like a snarky little haha ironic line i'm like wait wait to really sold me on this last feud you had
0: no tell me you did that on purpose that you wanted to hurt these guys in right. anarchy in the, anarchy and the arena right. please
1: right they, they this whole like oh i you know it's like Never thought I'd see the day where I'd have to don clown makeup and hit someone in the face with a pie like this, like, you know, Hardy R. can you believe what I had to do sort of thing?
0: Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Um, Which least,
1: is even funnier and weirder to say in the context of losing.
0: I want Don Callis to be that version of Paul Jones. but I know, it's but I'm worried, that
1: he, I'm worried that Don Callis is going to recruit the Dark Order guys. That it's going to be like Takeshka and the Dorks.
0: Oh my god! I never even thought of that. That never came on my radar whatsoever. I was thinking, you know, just all-star mercenaries from different places. No, no, Take yeah, the dork squad.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's like Takeshka's gonna be the ringer. And it's gonna be the dorks.
0: Oh no, no, Chris! Don't. Oh, on that, on that feat of crushing veracity from Chris Novembrino. Let's end it there. <laughs> You can follow me at Crap Game13 on Twitter. You can follow Chris on Instagram at D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. If you just want to follow the show as episodes come out, we're on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling, podcasting network, shows for every niche of your wrestling fandom, including the flagship, music of the mat, the good, the bad, the hungry, et cetera, et cetera. If you like me on audio, and why wouldn't you? Well. There's plenty of reasons, but <laughs> for five bucks a month, I'm also part of the Fight Game Media Network, Patreon.com/slash/FightGameMedia. I do a show called The Dynamite Show, where I ex- or obsessively deconstruct Dynamite. Uh, about 15 minutes after the show goes off the air, myself and Paul Fontaine record about an hour and a half of everything AEW, and it gets released later that night. Chris has other varied interests that are more interesting than mine, doing wrestling audio. He's going to tell you about those now.
1: Yeah, uh, I am doing music camps here this summer. Uh, I at least have announced right now the Jimi Hendrix camp. However, I think there will be one-off little sessions that I'm going to be peppering in throughout the throughout the summer season here too. So if you, even though you can do the Jimi Hendrix thing as like one-off installments and just check out like the Electric Ladyland session or whatever. Uh, These will be specifically tailored to be one-off sessions. Um, If you're interested in one-off guitar lessons uh, or like one-off group lecture things, they're really cheap. They're like 20 for a two-hour session, 20 bucks for a two-hour session. It's like the best best deal in music um, or music lessons um, or private instruction as well. Hit me up on the Instagram. Words are really hard for me right now, Jeff, uh, as opposed to other times where they come just so simply. D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. Will there be all.
0: a Will there be a Steve Winwood camp?
1: Um, probably not. But shout out to my boys at Rock Studies, Clapton. <laughs> or, yeah, not Clapton.
0: <laughs> We're gonna stop there. Hello, voices of wrestling listener, Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of world championship wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.